Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to the Greatest Games Podcast on the Blizzard. My name is Marcus Speller, with me of course is Jonathan Wilson and with us today is Ben Bailey-Smith, comedian, actor, rapper, screenwriter, broadcaster, voiceover artist, you name it, he's done it. Ben, pleasure to have you on the pod. One time football ramble producer. <laughs> and, what, and what a time it was, Ben. What a Let time me tell it was. you. What a time I took it you, was. I took you guys around the world. You certainly did. And I we've... took you guys all the way to the middle of the world. The middle. <laughs> and it's a fine place, I can tell you. <laughs> well, today, Ben, we're going back to May 2014 for the Premier League match at Selhurst Park that finished Crystal Palace 3, Liverpool 3. Why have you chosen this game? Oh, for so many reasons. I mean, <clears throat> I'm fascinated in football by the concept of empires, you know, and, and these sliding doors moments where things happen and and you can trace a club's sort of prehistory or modern history or ancient history to these tiny, tiny moments. You know, when I think of Palace, I always think of uh, Man United and Palace, which is a game I'm sure you've done back in 1990, where, you know, if United lost, it's feasible. Fergie would have gone we would have gone to the Cup Winners' Cup. <laughs> you know, who knows what we would have done in there. And then, you know, we finished, I think, third uh, uh, in, in 91, you know. So we were on the up. Instead, you know, Man United won. The Premier League was invented. They won that. We got relegated. End of story, you know. Um, and this really feels like it. Chris Dambal, I mean... <laughs> Whenever there's a, a game with a nickname, I think it's a good good place to start because it means something legendary happened. And, um, you know, it's the highs and the lows of of, of the meaning of, of this game that fascinate me. Because Liverpool fans now will probably be able to kind of cope with Chris Damble because they've gone on and, and won the league finally. But for certain individuals, like for Steven Gerrard, when you think yeah. about what happened to him, like the, the highs and the lows for him... Istanbul being, the, you know, obviously a pun on Istanbul, which w- was his ultimate high as a Champions League winner. And then Istanbul, <laughs> perhaps his rock bottom. And and on top of that, there's iconic moments. You know, I love, I love, 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 love a game where there's an image or a, a phrase by the commentator or, uh, you know, something that happens in the stands or something a manager does that everybody can sort of see every football fan can see in their mind's eye and this game's got a few of those mm-hmm. it's got um you know of the very famous moment where suarez is crying and gerard's like don't look at him <laughs> <laughs> don't look at him <laughs> which is just amazing it's got the liverpool fan where you can read his lips saying he says something like i can't believe it i yeah. can't believe that's happened or something yeah, you, can, yeah, yeah. you can read his lips it's unreal then of course you know uh, Dwight Gale, the super sub. I mean, there's so many great moments in the game. And it really was one of those ones that was a zinger from the kickoff because of what was at stake. You know, and we, we, we'd we survived the week before. So we were in celebration mode. Yeah. We were just there to have a party. And if that meant spoiling someone's party, then, then fine. But <laughs> it wasn't really about that. It, it just became about that. So there was just so much going on dramatically. And when games are like that, they start great and they, and they tend to end great as well. And there's, there's various bits in the middle. Yeah. We, Jonathan, we don't often hear this game talked about from the, the, 
the uh, the other side of the coin. It's often Liverpool fans remembering it was really the day, if, if it hadn't already been gone the title, it was certainly uh, all but uh, official at the end of the 90 minutes. But to hear sort of mm. Ben say it like that, like it was an incredible, incredible game. Oh, it was. I mean, I, I guess we should yeah, provide or yeah, remind people of the context. Sure. So Liverpool had played Chelsea on the, you know, the, the previous week, previous weekend, mm. and the, you know, the famous Gerard Slip game. And that handed the initiative back to City. But they, you know, they, they went into to this game. So this was the Monday night of the, that weekend. Both teams had played, both City and Liverpool had played 36 games. They were level on points. Uh, but Liverpool's goal difference was nine worse, I think. Let that's right, yeah. Check that's, that. that's, nine that's, worse that's correct, yeah. in Cities. And that's an important number, but it's, Yeah, but it's, Jonathan, it's, it's, it's a big to, detail uh, because... Because yeah. <laughs> Liverpool obviously were trying to rack up the score. Yeah. Because in, in, in a normal game, if they're 3-0 up with 12 minutes to go, they they close totally. it down. But, totally. but here, they were trying to... Because if, say, Liverpool had won 6-0 or 7-0... Oh, yeah. And you know, it is against a team who have nothing left to play for. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So so it wasn't totally... Particularly the way Liverpool started the game. I mean, they, they played brilliantly, that first, certainly the first hour. If they had got that score, City then played Villa on the Wednesday... And they didn't take the lead in that game, although they ultimately win it 4 0. They didn't take the lead in that game to the 64th minute. Now imagine they've been thinking, ah, we can feel Liverpool's breath on, our, on the back of our necks. Mm. And then the final, final weekend of the season, City play West Ham and Liverpool play Newcastle. So again, it's not impossible Liverpool could have racked up a big score against Newcastle. There, there was still, a lot of Gerard Slip is obviously the moment where the momentum starts to shift. It was still alive going into this game. It really was, and the, the, and that that number nine is 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 important to Palace fans as well. Because of course, obviously yeah, yeah. We, we famously lost nine nil, <laughs> and when it when it got uh, to Liverpool, um, uh, 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 and when it got to three nil in that game, the psychology shifted because you could see Rogers pushing these players forward, and there was a sense not just within the Palace team but around the stadium that these guys are taking the piss a little bit. There's there's an arrogance there. There's a hair tortoise situation where this big team have gone. Let's just bang nine past them. You know, mm. we've done it before. <laughs> we can do it again. <laughs> Let's just keep plowing forward. And if you look at the first goal, it's it's a loose ball and uh, for Palace, sorry, it's a loose ball. And and I think that's where you see that mentality break down. Mm. Way too sure of themselves. That's what spurred us into action. Otherwise, you know, I think if it had just sort of stayed a sort of a kind of humdrum 2-0. Sure. Maybe maybe they nick one in, in halfway through the second half. We we never would have fought back. But it was the way they blew us away and then just went, let's just crack on, let's keep going. There's something of the arrogance of that, I think, fired us up and the rest is history. And this actually, I think, is, is an important point more generally that particularly the way football's gone in the last 20 or 30 years, where if you're not one of those big half-dozen teams, really... You can't win anything. You might win a League Cup or you might win an FA Cup, but the league, you know, from the very start of the season, it's beyond you. You're never even going to have a run where you might be still in the race in, in April. You know, Leicester, obviously, being the, the massive exception to that. And so being able to upset one of those big clubs, if you're a fan of one of those you know, mid-table clubs, let, let, let's call them, to be able to just sort of remind people you're there by sticking a spanner in the works is great fun. So, from my point of view, and this is the obligatory Sunderland reference. Absolutely, I thought. Yeah, yep. <laughs> two years earlier, when Manchester City win the title mm. 
by beating QPR with the two goals in, in injury time. Manchester United were away at Sunderland. They won 1-0. Yeah. But Sunderland fans still loved it. We still had a great day. <laughs> <laughs> because we were just laughing at them. That's just yeah. glorious. Glorious pettiness. That, that's what uh, football's about. And uh, United, absolutely. United fans seem weirdly upset by this. You know, I've read loads of things about United fans. Oh, we'll never forgive them for that. Oh, come on. It's, it's just hilarious. <laughs> yeah. I, I always find that kind of uh, you know level of upset... Um, uh, just so funny myself because I just think, guys, you, look yeah. how much you've won. Yeah, I've look how much you're yeah. going to win. Yeah. Like Palace, we've we won the data, the Zenith Data Systems Cup. It's not even a thing, right? <laughs> Outside of that, staying up is our yeah. main prerogative. Even a lot of the time when we're in the Championship. Mm. So any 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 big game against a big club is. Uh, that's our mini cup final and then the other sort of trophy I suppose is how high up you can finish in the league that's the next step for a club like us um, but yeah you know the 3-2 against Man City with the the, the, the Townsend wonder goal the, those kind of games for us I remember a, a 1-0 against Chelsea where the only goal was scored by John Terry as an own goal you know <laughs> so enjoyable oh, and, yeah. and they become unforgettable and whilst yeah. the bigger clubs go, oh, is that all you can celebrate? Yes, it is. Actually, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sorry, but, right. but but it's but it's true. Palace have never won a major trophy in their history. No. I, I, I will accept the Zenith well, okay. as a major trophy if you count the Papa John's as a major trophy, <laughs> and if you count Le Tournoir as a major trophy. But yes, we're all agreed here. But 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 it is it is true though. I think that you, you're right. Fans of bigger clubs they they, they don't get that. They don't get it because you think to yourself, well, hang on, you're moaning about this, that, and the other. Yes, everything's relative. When was the last time you won the FA Cup? Two years ago. Right, well, shut your face then. Do you know what I mean? Because <laughs> people, they, 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 they don't know. But, but I was reminded that this season that we're talking about, 2013-14, it was Palace's season, a first season back in the Prem. Overall, yeah. Yeah, uh, after an eight-year absence. Yeah, absolutely. The last time before this season that we were actually in the Premier League was a, another classic Palace up and down one season. I think it was 04, 05. Um, the oddity of that season was that we got relegated with the highest scoring British uh, uh, striker in, in the division at the time in Andy Johnson, who I think got something crazy like 23 goals. Mm. Um, no player for Palace has scored anything close to that in a season since, which is a sort of damning indictment. <laughs> but um, it's another one of those, like I said at the top, about these sort of empire building sliding doors moments because we didn't realise in this game, I mean, we knew we were staying up, but we didn't, I don't think any Palace fan in that stadium thought we'd be around for that much longer than maybe one more season. You know, you see it a lot of the time, you see a team come up, they sort of take people by surprise a little bit. Maybe they just about survive or maybe they, you know, end mid-table. Really amazing, respectable. And then the next season, mm. that sophomore album, that difficult second <laughs> LP. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It all starts to turn to shit. So what I think what we achieved off the back of, in a lot of ways, the energy of this game, the the sort of... Like this game, I think, for a lot of modern football fans is what makes them think, oh, Plucky Palace, you know, or Palace, mm. they're kind of, they've got that sort of never say die kind of spirit. I kind of like Palace. It's, you know, I, I rarely meet football fans who, who hate us. And I think it's because of some of these sort of blood and guts moments. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the teams that obviously do hate you was Brighton and, and <laughs> yes. Palace, Palace had beaten Brighton in the playoffs. 
That's on their way cool. up when the previous season under Ian Holloway and Ian Holloway he didn't last that long in uh, uh, as Palace manager back in in the Premier League he got them promoted but after a poor start mm. he would resign Keith uh, Millen took over as caretaker for a short while and along came Tony Pulis and <laughs> uh, Jonathan we we've been used to seeing uh, Roy Hodgson of course in in the Palace dugout and now it's um, at the time of recording we should say uh, the managerial merry-go-round in the Premier League it's Patrick Vieira all right um, give him a chance yeah <laughs> bloody hell <laughs> <laughs> well, we, when we record unless these, you know something if you know something tell me but... <laughs> well, we don't when we record these we're not sure when they go out you know so you never know with the with the, the fickle name nature of uh, the Premier League but uh, but Pulis was in charge of of Crystal Palace uh, Jonathan what did you make of that appointment when he he came along well I mean I I, I think Tony Pulis gets a bit of a bad deal I think mm. there's a sort of sense his football isn't somehow real football but it's just a different way of playing football and mm. you know he's he's pretty much a guarantee you're going to stay up yeah uh, and I understand that maybe after three or four seasons of of playing pretty pragmatic football where there's not a huge amount of magic there that fans can get frustrated with it, but yeah, you know, I, I think I, I think there's a real danger that we we underestimate the job that so-called long ball coaches do. Um, Pulis clearly gets football at a very profound level, and if he'd grown up in an environment where he was working with players who'd been developed through La Masia or something, I'm sure his football would be very different. But but you know, he grew up in Newport and had the career he did and, and cut his teeth at Gillingham and. So he is what he is. And I think, yeah, he should be judged on those terms. And yeah. I actually think he's a really sort of fascinating bloke. Um, you know, his, uh, his, 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 although he was born in Newport, he, he, his family comes from Malta originally. Right, okay. And um, there's, a, there's a church in Malta in the, sort of, you know, the, 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 the parish. I, I, you, you would know these designations better than me. Yeah, the, the, I have been to Malta as well, and they, uh, they do call <laughs> it a church. So his, his sort of family's local church there yeah. has um, a statue of the Virgin of the Bicycles. And uh, she's, you know, um, cyclists honour her. And he, he did a, a bicycle pilgrimage oh, to, right. to go and visit. Which I think, you know, is just a, a great thing. You know, he obviously loves putting himself through intense physical pain. Because there's, you know, there's another close season when he, he rode from the Thames it basically rode from London to Paris. So it went out out of the Thames, you know, along the channel and back up the Seine. Which is an incredible thing to do. I, I sort of think there's something very admirable about somebody who, who drives themselves to those limits. So I, I've got a lot of time for Tony Poole. So I kind of quite <laughs> I and as a journalist, and this is such a, a ludicrous thing to say, and it, it's probably a, a terrible insight into the journalistic mind. I really liked him because his press conferences were very, very short and very to the point. <laughs> so he wouldn't even sit down. He'd walk in, he'd stand up holding the back of the chair. Yeah. He would do sort of 10 minutes in which he'd answer your questions, bang, 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 bang. There'd be no nonsense. It'd always be obvious what the line was. You didn't have to transcribe hours of you know, A.D. Boothroyd waffling on about nothing. <laughs> um, I, I think Tony Pills is a very good thing and we should get him back in the Premier League. Yeah, so where, where is he now? I don't. Oh, he's got a job, has he? I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, I I do like the fact that his press conferences are quite similar to his style of um, 
Yeah, they, they get the job done. They get they get <laughs> the job efficient. done. I mean, talking. I mean, Ben, you obviously remember Pulis there, but I, I would like to say though, the, the stereotypical type of sort of British football manager, Palace. In in between uh, Keith Millen taking over as caretaker, they went from Ian Holloway to Tony Pulis to Neil Warnock to Alan Pardew to Sam Allardyce. Uh, a little <laughs> bit of time with Frank De Boer, but you know, sod that, and then back to Roy Hodgson, and now we have Patrick Vieira. So Ben, you're well equipped of uh, knowing what that sort of traditional British yeah, style of football. Yeah. I mean, Jonathan is right that there is a lot of sort of kind of almost naive negativity lumped onto mm-hmm. long ball merchants or this sort of these this idea of the old fashioned football man. Yeah. But I think one thing that we always forget about any type of manager is how hard it must be oh, yeah. to just walk into a room and talk to 11 strangers and get them to do any, even if it's a bad idea, especially <laughs> if it's a bad idea. Do you know what I mean? Like to get them to all say yes. Like yeah. in life, how hard is it to, to get like a crowd of people and get them to believe in you, in you, like in minutes? That's what these managers are doing. And, I, I, and I think you're, you're absolutely right with that. I think a lot of former players find that incredibly difficult. So um, Bobby Charlton's brief time at Preston, I've been mm. doing some research on that recently. And there's a story about how when he would read out the team sheet, his hand would be shaking. And so the players are like, well, he, you know, he's just very nervous. We don't really believe in this guy because his hand's literally yeah. shaking as he's reading it out. Uh, even um, Chris Hiddink, who obviously goes on to have a great career, his first season at PSV, the story is that the, the first uh, team talk he gave before a game, he tried to light up a cigarette during the team talk and put the wrong end in his mouth. Oh, game over. Yeah, well, as it turned out, they wouldn't even think of. So he got away with it. That's <laughs> a lucky but, omen, maybe. Yeah. Do that before but, every game. <laughs> but yeah, even very you know, people who are extremely well-respected in their field, who, in his, his case, who go on to have a great career, just to talk to, to, to players and get them on board is is a difficult, difficult thing. Yeah, no, I think you're yeah. totally right. Also as well, I think the criticism of some of these managers is, again, often from fans and ex-pros and people surrounded with the big clubs. And I think they sometimes get that if a manager can sort of guarantee or at least have a damn good go at Premier League survival, that that's just ridiculous for fans of the top four or top five or whatever it is now. Because, Jonathan, you often talk about how much you enjoyed Sam Allardyce being at Sunderland. So, Sam Allardyce was... The, he, he was the best manager Sunderland had in, in my lifetime supporting Sunderland. In 40 years, he's the best now, manager we had. That's, what you know, from, from Jonathan Wilson, Sam Allardyce, if you're listening. There you go. That I mean, is... I, yeah. I think it's, it's these characters who, you know, you get a sense from the way that they talk. Like, the way Tony Pulis talks, Jonathan described him... Uh, perfectly you could imagine him walking in there and not fluffing a line do you know mm-hmm. what I mean he mm-hmm. he's going to say what he thinks and he's going to get it across very very clearly I think that's the other skill Sam Allardyce had uh, I met him once I, I went to launch uh, the, the new kit a few seasons back um, and I went to the training ground to do it and I watched well he didn't take the training session he just sat yeah. having a cup of tea. Sammy Lee say. did it. Yeah, Sammy Lee does so much clapping <laughs> in a in a sort of crouched position. As how if, much as of if that there's is, an invisible chair? How much of that clapping is directed towards Sam Allardyce himself? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, I I had the new kit on, and I sort of you know with a film crew like came out and um, uh, you know to show it to the players. It's a very exciting moment for mm. me. Oh yeah. And this is the one time Sam got up and he came over to me and he 
pulled at the neck. You know when you're looking at um, a garment in Primark trying to work out if it's any good or not, if it's, wor- if it's worth the £3.50. It's like that. It's like pulling at the neck on my shirt. Uh, and he goes, that's fucking shit. <laughs> I was like, right. Okay. So oh. I've no idea if he is a, a great manager or not, but uh, definitely another person who, like Tony Pulis, you can't see them mincing their words. No. In, in, especially in front of people where they need to be the most confident person in the room. Yeah. And I think Tony had that. And it's clear that he had it because we, we went on a mad run before Chris Stamble. I think we won five in a row or something like that. And it was just that really basic shore up the defence, you know, get the keeper shouting at everybody and then just see what you can nick on the break. It wasn't rocket science, but no. it was something that we knew how to do because traditionally we have been a, a, a counter-attacking team working down the wings. And don't forget we had Belassi in his prime and him and Wilf Zaha used to switch wings all the time. Like they just, they'd whisper to each other and you'd look up from your cup of tea and they'd be on different wings and they would bamboozle fullbacks week in, week out playing under that Pulis system. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, oh, it was, it was, it was, that was, that was, that was a great little sort of mini period because we don't really have great seasons at Palace. But sure. We have like bits of seasons. <laughs> <a> great quarter. <laughs> All right then, chaps. Well, let's talk more about uh, Tony Pulis and, uh, and, and the match itself after the break. See you in a moment, everybody. Welcome back to the greatest games on the Blizzard. So yes, um, to the match itself. I mean, we obviously talked a little bit about it there, but but Palace, to, to to reiterate, had very little to play for. As you said, Ben, they were safe from relegation by this point. They weren't challenging for the European places, but it was all to play for for Liverpool, as uh, as as we were describing there with regards to the goal difference and chasing the title and, and so on and so forth. And well, I mean, I mean it was, we probably should sort of talk about what an incredible run they've been on. So yeah, absolutely. They they yeah, lose eleven to Chelsea, games, was it? Mm. Uh, well, I think it was 16 in the league. Wow. So, yeah, you're right. They, they, had, they had the cup defeat to Arsenal. So it's probably 11 games after that. Right. Uh, so Straight wins. No, no. They, they'd, they'd lost at Chelsea on the 29th of December, right. after which they won 14 and drew two That's the next insane. 16 league games. That's then insane. lost at home to Chelsea. Yeah. And that did sort of, you know, they'd gone from fifth to top. They had it in their hands. It's suddenly not really in their hands after that defeat to Chelsea. But still, a convincing win here. Yeah. And there would have been pressure on City at the, mm. at the very least. Yeah, they had so much momentum, though, going through those um, games, as you described. And then when they played against Chelsea, and you know, obviously Mourinho, they were, they were time-wasting from straight from the off. Uh, <laughs> I was quite intrigued to see that uh, Mo Salah got a booking for Chelsea during that game. Did he? Yeah. Or for time-wasting? I must be, because it was probably in like the 20th minute or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know? but, he's, so, he's become so iconic for Liverpool that it just, yeah. you just think it's like Mo Salah's cousin who didn't quite make it in football. <laughs> yeah, Do you know what I mean? mean yeah. This other Salah who played for Chelsea. It's really Yeah, very much so. Chat. Put him in the Kevin De Bruyne bracket of, you know, didn't quite <laughs> yeah. make it at Chelsea. But uh, yeah, and so Chelsea sort of derailed... Um, Liverpool really but interestingly when we get into this game that momentum did pick up in into the second half but in the first half of this game uh Liverpool um you know obviously on the front foot and and they had a few chances and uh, and they they scored after 18 minutes Joe Allen got the header and 
when 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 the, the was it a corner you know comes the, in yeah the, Gerard corner comes from the back post mm. yeah and Alan heads in again there's um there's a subdued celebration of okay well that's one yeah that's one you know that I that, think the but, the Palace fans were probably celebrating harder not that they celebrated the goal but when you watch that first goal mm-hmm. we are going absolutely mental and for no reason <laughs> it's nil nil we're not playing that well we've had like a I think Punchins maybe had had an off chance a half chance kind of thing uh-huh. and then what you see there is the textbook goal against Palace whipping a corner no one's marking header goal <laughs> brilliant yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we yeah, might as well pre- going bananas behind the goal oh yeah oh yeah that, that's what we, that is what we're doing yeah. <laughs> yeah little Joe Allen sneaks in at the back post and you think oh come on his come first on, ever Premier League goal yeah there you are really mm. Um, yeah. And, and uh, yeah, so so one. I mean, Palace did work Mignolet a little bit. There was there was a couple of decent efforts. It's a really good save. Yedinak had a yeah. good shot. I remember. Uh-huh. And, Slight uh, deflection, I think, but it's a really really good save. He mm. makes a tremendous save when he tips it over the bar. Um, but really, this game, I think, it's fair to say, is all about the second half. Yeah. Um, so it's one nil Liverpool, as you said, uh, Ben. If if it had stayed one nil for a while, then one nil probably becomes two nil. The game kind of finishes, you know, but Liverpool obviously need that goal difference. And that was that was significant. And into the second half, Liverpool go at it and and Sturridge gets the ball and um, sort of cuts inside as he does onto his left foot. I think this was credited as a Delaney own goal, which I seems think harsh bit, to me. That seems I agree. Really harsh. I think I, the, ju- the dubious goal panel need, a, need an appeal there. Yeah, I think I, that, I'd seen it as a Delaney own goal. And so I saw it again, having sort of, yeah, I had a vague memory of it. Watched it because I was like, oh, where was it? So then I had to watch it back to see if it actually was a big... Def- but it's not a big deflection. So it sort of clips his heel. And I think they knew as well, the dubious goals panel, I think they knew and felt <laughs> guilty because then Delaney scores with a huge deflection and they give it to Delaney. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, I feel bad now. <laughs> yeah, totally, yeah. Um, but yeah, so it, it, it was 2-0 and, it, and it, it, it actually reminded me when, when, when Sturridge scored that goal, just what a phenomenal season he had mm. that year. I mean, him and Suarez up front, it was... It was it, Jonathan. It was nice to see a front two. Uh, well, it you was, don't yeah, see that often. and I think what Rogers maybe doesn't quite get credit for enough is it was it was a front two in this game with mm. Sterling sort of playing as number ten behind them. But he he changed the deployment of that front three according to who Liverpool were playing against, yeah. and I think he did that incredibly cleverly, incredibly well. Um, there was a game, it was a game against Arsenal. Uh, I guess it would have been sort of in the middle of that run. Where I think he had this same deployment, the you know the Sterling behind the other two, when they were sort of four nil up in twenty minutes, Arsenal just couldn't handle it. Yeah, that's so, right. Because I, I remember I was at I was doing yeah. a game at Stamford Bridge that day, and I remember getting there slightly after that game had kicked off, walking in thinking, "Oh, this will be good. Looking forward to watching this Liverpool VR four nil." Yeah, mental. And it's already over. Yeah, and but they yeah they, that front three was was sensational that season. They, and they call they call Rogers a nearly man, but he didn't. I, he might not have won the league, but he didn't nearly change things at Liverpool. He transformed Liverpool. Yeah. It's so hard to do that, especially yeah. to a yeah. club of that size. I mean, mm. you could argue one of the, the biggest five teams in the world. You know, he went in there and just went, this is what we're doing and made it happen. I completely agree with you. I, th- I think that obviously because of his sort of Brentisms over the years and so yeah. on, you know, we yeah. can have a, a little chuckle about him. But you're right. I think that that this season with him in charge of Liverpool, you know, he got them going again in a way that we hadn't seen for years. Maybe there was that season under Benitez when they finished second, I think. But but really, yeah, you know, but it was it was. I mean, you're right. But it was it, it was it was different 
Yeah, yeah Benitez, there, there was he, was not, of... he was not blowing teams away in the first no, 15 minutes. No, no, yeah. no, no. And there was a sense of belief, you know, and, and actually it was something that Mourinho turned back on them. You know, they were having almost these victory parades before games towards the end of the season. And, and then, you know, Mourinho was able to sort of use that, that momentum against them by, by just stalling everything. Yeah. But, yes, yeah, so some of those scenes of, of kind of, you know, just the bus turning up the ground, flares everywhere, smoke. And, mm-hmm. um, and in some ways, I can see how you can feed on that, but I can also see how it, it, you know, it, it does potentially increase the pressure. But they weren't doing that under Benitez. They were doing that because you know, yeah. the, the momentum, the way they were playing, felt mm-hmm. like they were back. Totally. And, and, and after that storage goal goes in, two minutes later, Suarez has scored. And again, lovely link-up play from from Sterling. It's a really good pass from Sterling. It's a lovely one, yeah. Because if, if, if he put, yeah, you know, mm. even eighteen inches too hard, Stralis can't score, but he gets the weight absolutely perfect. Yeah, and that was his thirty-first Premier League goal that season. That's unreal. Ph- phenomenal player for for well, for for everywhere he's gone, but for Liverpool again. Um, and it was and it was three nil. And surely Ben, you're thinking, all right, that, that's when you, you said your attentions turned to on, oh, <laughs> not not another nine, you know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it it was. There's, I, I'd I'd love to meet the Palace fan who was like, oh, we'll we'll get this back. We'll we'll call this back. <laughs> I, I, it was game over, man. It's, it's just it was. It wasn't depressing because it was like I said, it was a party atmosphere. We were celebrating our previous game in that game you know that's why when you watch when you rewatch the uh the, the sky footage the whole homesdale is just bouncing right up to that joe allen goal for nothing <laughs> you know for a nil nil um but yeah we, we were celebrating staying up it was a huge huge achievement for us so it wasn't depressing it was just a bit of it was like the, what they call in sport the rueful smile i think that's what we did it's just like oh well there we go yeah, they'll yeah, get their goals. It. Maybe they'll catch City. <laughs> that could be a quite exciting end to the season from a neutral perspective. Uh-huh. And yeah. then the super <laughs> sub comes on and that's everything it. changes. Well, that's it. I, lo- I love that thought of the the, the, the sort of the mid-table or, or, or lower-table club. Oh, well, at least this makes the title race. <laughs> you know, you're thinking yeah. about other clubs, do you know what I mean, sort of thing. But there is, if you're, if you're a Palace or a Sunderland, there is something, just having a game that doesn't matter is nice at the end of a season. <laughs> you know, it is something to celebrate because you're so used to... Yeah, the last day of a penultimate game being incredibly oh, tense. It's just too and, much, and yeah. everything on the line. If you can actually secure your survival with two or three games to go and mm. just enjoy those games and go, yeah. oh, look, this is Liverpool. Yeah, they're quite lovely. good, aren't they? It's a oh, lovely feeling. Oh, what, that's a lovely goal, wasn't it? Yeah, Same against us, but never mind. You call all your mates to support other teams, like, oh, you're so unlucky there. I thought you were great. I thought you were yeah. great. You know. <laughs> exactly. But as you say, 65 minutes, the turning point, because Dwight Gale enters the fray. And uh, nobody, not even Dwight himself, would have predicted what an impact that would be. And then on 79 minutes, Delaney gets that uh, deflected long ranger. And he, are you giving that one to Delaney then, Ben? You've got to, haven't you? Like I say, I think it's, uh, it's uh, you, you almost have to because <laughs> he, he wouldn't have wanted the own goal and he never should have been given the own goal. So, yeah, um, yeah, 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 I think you've got to give that one to Delaney. And it, when, I, when I first saw it, I just, like you do a lot of the time in deflected goals, I just thought it was an absolute <laughs> yeah. beauty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you see it again, you're like, ah, it's still good that for make, Delaney. Makes sense, makes sense, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but it, it, like I said, I think I mentioned it before, it's, it was a sort of signifier of things to come because it's a loose ball and Liverpool don't really deal with it. I think they're all still so focused forward, forward, forward. This ball drops in a dangerous area, you know. And no one deals with it. Mm. And Delaney just pounces. It's as simple as that. There's no sort of setup really from Palace, which is 
is ironic because the next two goals are the the assists are amazing oh, yeah. oh, for yeah. both. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but but when but, yeah. you say I mean a, a loose ball, I mean if Delaney's picking the ball up and he's about to uh, pull the trigger from what twenty five yards out, yeah. as a Liverpool defender, you probably think, well, we've done our job here. <laughs> True. You're true. not expecting the ball to go into the top corner. That's absolutely true. Yeah, they're, they're probably thinking, you know, if it falls to Yedinak, be wary, mm-hmm. you know. But I, I genuinely believe, you know, football is about these um, split second decisions. You know, you don't have time to, to make the decision again. And I think if you've got, it's like that thing when uh, you're, you're playing two, uh, two legs and you know in the second leg, you only need a point. Hmm. Or but, a draw, yeah. Yeah, you only need a draw, right? Um, but you say to everyone, no, but we're going out to win. But there's something in the back of your mind going, but we only need a draw. Yeah. yeah and yeah. that can shoot you in the foot. And so I think there was something going on around that time of the Delaney goal where they were like, I mean, 3 nils great, but it would be good to have six, you know. Mm. At, even though we, we might not catch... They just had that little bit... And those tiny, tiny, tiny seeds of um, not doubt, but like uh, uh, uncertainty about what you want from a game, I think psychologically can turn games at this level on their head really, really suddenly. Yeah. I mean, it, no, I think that's exactly it, isn't it? Because yeah. what's clearly happened is the ball sort of been yeah, half cleared mm. and that Liverpool midfield who in normal circumstances would just drop in behind the ball, you know, make sure that no opportunity occurred. They're immediately on the front foot because they want to break because they're looking for that next goal. And as a result, suddenly the space in front of Delaney, which shouldn't be there, the structure's fallen apart and he has the opportunity. Mm. And I think that is one of the... One of the things that fascinates me about football is you have these huge historical sweeps that football is part of. So um, you have, for instance... I mean, this this is something I, I, I was writing about last week at the time of recording, um, talking about Arsenal and, and Tottenham, that up until 1930, football in England was completely dominated by the Midlands and the North. Mm. And Arsenal in 1931 are the first London champions. And you have little periods of Arsenal being good and Tottenham being good, even Chelsea very briefly. And it's only really in the 80s, as industry falls away in the North, that London, you know, the focus of capital on the capital leads to success in the capital which is something you see in any big democratic, pretty much every big democratic country, that you know, the, the, the successful teams are the big provincial industrial cities where people are investing in, in their clubs because of a sense of provincial pride, often reacting against the centre. And so the, 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 the rise of Arsenal and Tottenham and Chelsea over the last sort of 20, 30 years is part of that movement. But now we've got this sort of... Um, much bigger globalised movements of capital. So you now have oligarchs and sheikhs buying clubs and suddenly your Arsenal's your Tottenham's can't compete because they don't have the oligarch or the sheikh. So those are the huge historical sweeps that almost whatever tiny decisions you make on the ground don't matter compared to that. And yet at the same time, championships can be won and lost and careers can be made and, and, and unmade by a handball not given or yeah. a deflected shot. Mm. And so you've got, and I think all the history is like that, right? There's huge historical sweeps you can't really fight against. And at the same time, the tiniest detail can make a huge difference. Mm. And, and I mean, this is me kind of becoming quite pretentious now, 
But I sort of feel as a as somebody writing about football, it's your job to analyse both. And we do far too much of analysing things that are sort of in the middle and sort of generalising, but you know, gen- generalisations that don't take account of these huge sweeps. Mm. So you see that here, that it is that tiny little glitch of brain glitch of the Liverpool midfield being too attacking in the moment, lets Palace back into it. And that's what cost them a title. But actually, the historical sweep was that two or three years later, Liverpool would still be back on top because yeah. Yeah, they are a big club and they, they had owners who were putting money in and they were able yeah. to get a good manager and the development was there. The, the um, tragedy the tragedy is purely Stevens. It's purely Gerrard's, unfortunately. Yeah, really. yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, he, he becomes this weirdly tragic figure. Um, the, the, yeah, somebody who defined those years of Liverpool unsuccess. He yeah. comes in... Yeah, just as they've stopped being the best team in England, and he leaves just before they win the championship again. Yes, quite. And yet, right. weirdly, he goes to Scotland and is successful immediately. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, he, he got he himself a Champions League winners' medal. But yes, I, I totally did. take the point. But it's funny when you talk about these, you know, huge amounts of capital and all this stuff going on, and in football, it's just these little decisions or these little things that can throw a spanner in the works, it, albeit temporarily. I mean, but that's exactly what this game is. You have the, yeah. the huge club, as you say, who go on to something, and the spanner in the works is. Pulis's palace and that is exactly why Pulis is seen as a certain type of figure by those who are at the, at the top of the game who are spending vast amounts of cash and, and so on and so forth um, but I, 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 we must return to Dwight Gale gentlemen yeah, because he is the uh, tiny little thing <laughs> <laughs> He's the man who, uh, uh, you know, was was. Did he stand up to capitalism that night, Ben, or have I missed, <laughs> missed the point here? I don't know. But two minutes later, uh, he gets his first of 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 the uh, of the evening, and a lovely finish it was. Yeah, and as I say, uh, I said earlier, uh, um, Yannick Bellassi, who he really had in his prime, um, it absolutely flies down the way. I mean, he's, we used to have a song for him that was just about that. It was just, uh, it's the, like a lot of our songs, it's incredibly basic. It just went, Yannick Bellassi, Yannick Bellassi, Yannick Bellassi, Yannick Bellassi, Yannick, Yannick Bellassi runs down the wing for me. Uh, I liked it wasn't us. It was like for me. And that's yeah, yeah, that's yeah, how yeah. he felt. He, he felt like a, he felt like a guy who really thrives off of, the performance element of football. He wants to do something for you to make you go <gasps> like that, you know. Mm. And um, it was one of those moments. He just gets his head down and he runs and runs and runs and runs, slips in a perfect ball. And it's, it's almost an easy finish for someone like Dwight Gale, who was a genuine poacher. And I, I still to this day don't know why we sold him. We've not had someone like that since. And him and Glenn Murray together in tandem, I always loved because it was like the classic big man, small man. And it, it often worked for us. We've never really replicated it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was and, and to score two goals in such quick succession, because the first one, you know, it had been, what, 24 minutes since Liverpool had scored in that game. Mm. And the sort of 3-0 and Liverpool thinking, OK, that, we talked about the first goal. And you think, oh, well, consolation. When it gets to 3-2, Jonathan, Oof. there are moments in football... Yeah where suddenly the tide turns and everyone in that stadium and everybody watching it knows it's about to happen. And it just seems that nobody, Suarez, Gerard, Rogers himself, just cannot stop it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's that, it's that mental change from we're chasing a fourth or a fifth to, oh, Christ, we might not even win this. Yeah. Mm. And that, that, I think, is a huge, very, very difficult thing to, to deal with. Yeah, because uh, I mean, there should have been part of Liverpool thinking, you know what? If we win it three mm. two, 
That's all right, because we, we then go three points ahead of City. They've still got to beat Aston Villa on Wednesday. And maybe they don't do that. You know, Villa aren't a bad side. And then, even if they do win that, if we win our last game and they don't win against West Ham, and West Ham have, have messed teams up for the title on the final day before, they are a team who, you know, you know like Palace, like Sunderland, quite enjoy kind of getting in the way of bigger teams. But there was something in their heads of sort of, oh, we're not going to get a five or six goal win and therefore, yeah, there's nothing for us here. And they yeah, just and can't. Also, there's, the, the, there's just the classic sporting thing of like, everybody's a great fighter. Everyone's a prize fighter until they get punched in the face. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Suddenly everything changes and you, you just have this thing of like, everyone at the same time, 11 men, all feeling that same emotion and it's it's a sort of shell shock and everything sort of goes white for a second it's like you've you briefly fainted and and like you say it just had to happen I mean you see it in sport all the time at, at the time we're recording this you know we've just seen the the North London derby we've seen the derby with Palace and Brighton and there was moments in both games where you know I, I wished I could have just put a thousand pounds in, in a bookie's hand in that split second because I knew it was coming. Mm. The third goal for Arsenal against Spurs, the last kick of the game equaliser for Brighton. I knew they were both coming somehow just from watching the the, the psychology of the game unfold. Mm. And Palace have nothing to lose in this instance. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the, the downside of it is they lose a game 4-2 that they thought we were going to get hammered in. Yeah. The upside of it is they have a night that they'll remember forever mm. where they came for 3-0 down to scupper the potential champions. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and that's the thing. And again, it goes back to the, the context that you've described supporting a, a, a smaller club as opposed to one of the big ones. You've scored two goals against Liverpool. Like you've, you've already won the evening. You know, I remember yeah. I used to work with a Palace fan and he went away to Old Trafford once and Palace were beaten 5-2. And at halftime, it was 2 all. And it could have been Kirayan goal, maybe, but he, I think he saved a penalty. Or Man United uh, missed a penalty, certainly. And Man United ended up 5-2 winners. He walks in the office on Monday morning and he used to go and watch Palace home and away everywhere. And the, and the few Man United fans, obviously, in the office started slagging him off. Oh, what a waste of a trip. And he's like... I just, I had a fantastic day. I don't think you understand this. We scored two goals at Old Trafford and we were drawing at half-time. I don't think you get this. So already at 3-2, and this is what football's about. It gives you a bit of cheer. It gives them an enormous amount of cheer. But the cheer was not to end there, of course, because seven minutes later, Dwight Gale scores. I mean, who was at the assist? Was it Murray? Murray, yeah. It's exactly that link-up you're talking about. It's a volleyed chest down. So it's it's like the ball comes across... (laughs) The pitch. It's absolutely. It's an actually. It's actually a brilliant goal if you watch it again. That the assist is something ball. else. <laughs> Glenn Murray does that amazing thing when people pass with their chests, and it's mm. like a proper pass rather than just a knock. He does that thing where he twists <laughs> his body, lays it into the path of Dwight Gale, and he's he doesn't tap it in or lash it in. He sweeps it home, Marcus. Mm. He mm. sweeps it home. I love those ones where it's, you don't break stride. You just sweep it home. Totally, totally. And then he does, you know, his his famous celebration for us was these sort of eagle arms, you know, he put his arms out like he's, you know, like a kid pretending to be a plane. And it's just such a, it's a, such a lovely moment. And you just see the stadium erupt. And then, of course, you get the, the famous shots of, of the Liverpool fans um, start, starting to question what the hell is going on and also you have that other great thing in a dramatic game where the commentator's voice breaks slightly mm, as mm. the goal goes in is it is it, is it Mike and Tyler I can't remember who it is but yeah, it's, I, it's I one I of those remember. it's 3-3 three, three! 
yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, it was just incredible. But like, like I say, it's, it's what the sort of neutral wants because you can just tell it's about to happen. So it's almost like a comedian where they set up the joke. You know yourself, yeah. Ben. You don't, yeah, you yeah. set up the joke, and everyone goes. Or go on, say the say what we want you to say, and boom, yeah. you deliver it, and yeah. there it is, and it, and it all kind of goes off, and uh, and incredible. And then after that, Liverpool suddenly, Jonathan, they're just like, right, we bloody well have to go and win this again now, mm. and they're piling on the pressure, and they and they can't get through. But with scoring goals, actually quite difficult. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it, 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 did, it hadn't seemed it for sort of the previous half hour. Yeah, but, but it's interesting, you know, isn't it? Because it's, it's like a reset. They reset, and they yeah. go, wait a minute, we need to be Liverpool again, That's and they right. are. And it's yeah. so mad that you're not able to do that throughout a game mm. because of these little things that can happen that change your mentality. But mm. they actually do really well. I mean, they, they get some serious chances. Yeah. Serious chances. But they just they can't put it away. There wasn't the time. And that's the beauty of the late equaliser. Because you know? yeah. if, if that, if that equaliser goes in on about 75 minutes, then you know Oof, that Suarez yeah. is going to bundle one in at some point. Yeah. But but the the match ends 3-3. And oh, actually, just before the end, Marcus. Yes. Uh, one another, another sweet moment for Palace fans. Mm. The ball gets cut across. I can't remember by who, and who steps up to air ball an open goal. Our very own Victor Moses. Oh yes, yeah. <laughs> he just completely misses the ball, swings oh, it, Victor. goes straight past him. Fantastic. <laughs> Again, that's the uh, these are the victories that the small, you know that's, that's what you got to cling to. Um, uh, the game finishes and uh, I think uh, one match report the BBC says never has uh, a team looked so uh, gutted and uh, and just absolutely devastated after mm. going back top of the Premier League you know because they did go top with this yeah. result Liverpool yeah. uh, of course with City then having a game in hand but at full time they knew it was up uh, you know against Chelsea it was there was still a little bit of hope but really Jonathan after this it was over and, and we saw Suarez just look you know absolutely despondent and, and Gerard and, and so on and it was a great shame for Rodgers and that Liverpool side well it was but I mean they, in the end they were undone by their start to the season um, yeah. although I was actually surprised looking up they were only six points well six points behind Arsenal um, when they lost that game to Chelsea on the 29th of December five points behind City in my head that gap was much much bigger um, but yeah they they and, and yeah, it's a shame in the sense that they they were incredibly memorable uh, in the way they attacked. Um, I think more memorable than City were as champions. Um, but yeah, that that happens, doesn't it? Mm. It does. And Ben, we, uh, you, the lasting memory for me certainly of that game was uh, Tony Pulis in the uh, post-match interview with that little <laughs> laugh when he just a little chuckle. And that's all it was yeah. because managers like that. They play their part, as we've de- as, as we've described. <laughs> Upsetting the big boys oh, is also it is it's the fans' uh, trophy, if you like. That's also a trophy for the likes of Pulis as well. God yeah, bless him. massive, absolutely <laughs> massive. You know, he left he left Palace under a cloud, but he'll always always be remembered for that game, as so many of the players there uh, are, and and so many of the images. Um, yeah, just a, a huge party for Palace and, and, and an unforgettable moment. I, I really look forward to the next one, whenever that might be, at time of recording. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> there it is. Well, Ben, it's been a pleasure talking to you about this one. Thanks very much for coming on the pod. Pleasure. Thanks for having me, mate. Nice one. Well, uh, for more stories like that, do check out theblizzard.co.uk. Uh, but myself and Jonathan will be back next week with another great game from football. See you then. Bye.